Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Better Way. I am your host, Craig Booker. The past few episodes have been focused on my story and some commentary about breaking down important lessons or time to reflect, to learn from those events in my life. In this episode, we will shift gears just a little bit, and we're going to try to talk about trauma. You might be thinking, Craig, you're a little bit too excited to talk about trauma. And yeah, you're right. That sounded a little weird. But I'm more excited about the progress that can be made if we understand our trauma. So let's get started. As I say every episode, this is not meant to replace therapy. While I do hope that this is helpful, this is not a replacement for getting the help you need. And suggestions shared are just that. They're my experience. They're meant for educational and informational purposes only. To get us started, I'd like to play a clip from my upcoming book just to lay the foundation and give us a basic definition of trauma. All right, here we go. Trauma. While I can certainly speak to my experience with trauma, I believe it is more helpful to start with a broader definition by the American Heritage Dictionary. Trauma. 1. Serious injury to the body, as from physical violence or an accident. 2. Severe emotional or mental distress caused by an experience. 3. An experience that causes severe anxiety or emotional distress, such as rape or combat. 4. An event or situation that causes great disruption or suffering. So now that we have some basis, some definition to start off our discussion, let's dive in. Before I get too deep into the discussion, I want to start by saying in no way do I mean to make light of trauma. Trauma is serious business. I take a upbeat tone uh, simply because I don't want to make it boring. So please don't misinterpret. Trauma is a really tough subject to talk about and to make interesting. So this is my attempt at that. So please forgive me if I say anything that's offensive. All right, let's go. All right, so trauma is a very deep topic. It's also very, you know, it, it's very large. It's very broad. And so I don't pretend that I can adequately address all the different parts and subjects on trauma. So let's get that out of the way. One, I'm not a counselor, so I'm not coming at it from that point of view. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have that deep level of education. I'm approaching this from my personal experience. In the first few minutes of this podcast, my goal was to give us a some kind of baseline, some kind of definition where we could start from. And I hope I've done that well. The next thing I'd like to accomplish is to maybe debunk or you know, tear down some of the myths or lies around trauma. So in order to prepare for this segment of the podcast, I went out and read a few articles on common myths around trauma. 
there were three different articles that I read through, and a lot of them overlap quite a bit. So I tried to somewhat consolidate some of them that were very similar. So I will do my best to put links in the show notes so that anyone who wants to can go take a deep dive and check those out. But know that this is not all based on my knowledge. This is my knowledge plus some combined reading, which I will cite in the show notes. So here goes. The first one that I would like to address is a combination of a few. I call it the big event myth or reserve for military personnel myth. So the basis of this myth comes in thinking that trauma only comes from a really significant natural disaster, a one-time life-altering event. Since I grouped two together, the second part of this is that trauma is reserved for military personnel. So now that we have the basis for this myth, let's break this down and expose the lies here. In two of the articles I found, they were both from psychologytoday.com. Both were talking about five myths about trauma. In one of those, there's a quote by psychologist Richard Tedeschi. He says, We define trauma not so much by the event itself, but by the emotional and psychological effect an event has on people. In another article I found from the Mental Health Center of San Diego, uh, they had a similar article titled something like the five myths of trauma. One of the myths that they describe is talking about that trauma is reserved for combat veterans and abuse survivors. In this breakdown that they give, a few of the points that they make I think are incredibly valuable to me. In the article, they're describing one-time and ongoing events that cause trauma and extreme reactions. And a few of those are, one, the end of a relationship. Two, continued stress, such as living in a dangerous neighborhood or battling a difficult illness. They also mention something humiliating. While they do describe the stereotypical events of a serious injury or accident, I think it's incredibly important that we pay attention to these other items that are less likely to fit the stereotype. One thing that we can do as a culture to improve mental health in society is to expand or broaden our view of trauma. Many times an individual going through certain events find it hard to recognize these occurrences that on their own don't look like anything significant, but when looking back, you can see all the signs of trauma. All right, on to number two. Myth number two, trauma is forever. Your brain and body can never fully recover from trauma. This is false. While our brain and body is, are often greatly impacted by trauma, 
we can heal. Hear that again. We can heal. Our brain is plastic. Our brain is what? Yeah, let me get into that a little bit. There's this term that's called neuroplasticity. It's a big word. It's hard to pronounce. So it's impressive that I got it on the first time. But what it comes down to, it's the capacity of the nervous system to develop new neural connections. This is important, and let's get into why. Now, you don't have to be an avid reader to have heard the terms reprogramming your brain or rewiring your brain. This is where this term comes in. Anytime we learn something new, let's say, for instance, when you're learning to tie your shoes, you are typically paying attention to a lot of different details at first. You're really hyper-focused on which way you hold the laces, which direction or which lace you wrap over the other one. And so you're just paying attention to a lot of details as you make different loops and, and make the knot. And so as you learn and grow, as you learn to tie your shoes and you repeat the process over time, you pay less and less conscious attention to all those details and you just do it. You don't really think about it. This is where neural pathways come in. Think of neural pathways as a road or maybe a highway. You could also think of a neural pathway as a groove or a rut. And the more and more that you perform a task, the deeper that groove becomes. As we try to change our behavior, or if we're trying to change our thoughts, we are essentially starting a new groove. And so at first, it's going to be really difficult. And as we do something more and more, that groove will get deeper and deeper and will take less effort on our part to perform, just like tying our shoelaces. I'd like to read a quote I found. It's from Peter A. Levine. He says, What is revealed here is the dual nature of trauma. First, its destructive ability to rob victims of their capacity to live and enjoy life. The paradox of trauma is that it has both the power to destroy and the power to transform and resurrect. Myth number three. If you're strong, you can get over trauma on your own. I also read this in another article as people should, in quotes, get over it or move on from their trauma. In the article titled Five Common Misconceptions About Trauma, written by Michaela Haas in Psychology Today, in this article she says, a disproportionate number of people who have a hard time overcoming trauma are people who struggle by themselves, who think that they don't need help or who bottle up their feelings and hide their anxiety behind an impenetrable facade, trying desperately, in quotes, to get it together, can be fatal. 
in fact, the Rambo type who thinks asking for support is a weakness is the one most at risk. One of the dangers with this myth or believing this lie is that this lie or this myth implies that those who cannot overcome trauma without help are somehow weak or inferior, which is absolutely not true. Second, this also downplays or discounts the seriousness of trauma. Also, in that same article, I'd like to read a portion of it uh, just because I think it's incredibly valuable. Uh, It starts off, while conducting research for my book, Bouncing Forward, I attended the I attended the Resilience Boot Camp of the U.S. Army in Philadelphia. I was surprised to find out that one of the first things soldiers learn there is to communicate openly, to admit fears, and to ditch the commonly held belief that, in quotes, asking for help is a sign of weakness, end quote. She goes on to say, the Army has recognized the dangers of projecting only strength. She goes on to talk about the stats around veteran suicide, which only serve to substantiate or support that this myth is completely false. She states that 22 veterans die by suicide each day. That's one suicide every 65 minutes. We have to do more to tear down this myth, to change the perception of getting help. If you or someone you know is struggling, please share the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. They can reach someone just by dialing 988. Again, do not fall for this lie. This is completely false. Getting the help you need is one of the bravest things that you can do. Myth number four, I found worded in several different ways, and so I will try to cover all of those here. One of the myths in one of the articles in Psychology Today addresses labeling PTSD as a disorder. Most people will be familiar with the term PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder. The stance that this article, and I believe another article, is taking is that post-traumatic stress should not be labeled as a disorder. The psychiatric manual classifies PTSD as a mental disorder when it lasts for longer than six months. An example given here in this article, which I think is particularly insightful, uh, comes again from psychologist Richard Tedeschi. He says, when someone crashes their car against a wall at 60 miles per hour, they'll have many broken bones. Do they say they have a broken bone disorder? They have an injury Same with trauma survivors. They have been injured, psychologically injured, maybe morally injured. They aren't disordered. They're hurt by what has happened. That makes more sense to me, end quote. 
I think what is important here and what they're trying to get at in this particular article and something I have experienced with is that labeling a condition leads a person to believe something is wrong with them when it is often the result of something happening to them or in their lives. They were injured. They experienced an injury. This argument is not to downplay the seriousness of what happened to them or the help that they need. This is to prevent them from attaching a label to themselves and their identity personally. These labels often stigmatize the individual, and they might prevent them from getting the help that they need because they're embarrassed by the stigma surrounding what they're experiencing. I love this quote by psychiatrist Victor E. Frankel, who said, An abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. This one is tough because people often need a diagnosis to get approval from insurance for medical treatment or counseling. Looking back at my experience, I believe labels are often more harmful than helpful. It is good to understand what you're experiencing, but the labels often hinder recovery. Another myth mentioned by an article in Psychology Today written by Catherine Cullen is trauma is always a disorder. I'd like to share the definition of PTSD that this author gives because I believe it's helpful to the conversation. In this article, uh, the author says, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is a debilitating outcome of exposure to trauma or traumas that entails intrusive and distressing memories of the traumatic event or events, avoiding avoidance of things associated with the traumatic event or events, impairment in memory, and distorted thoughts or beliefs about one's self or others. Think, I'm a bad person, or everyone's out to get me, period. Persistently depressed or agitated moods, feeling keyed up or on edge, and not being able to sleep or concentrate are other hallmarks of PTSD. So too is engaging in reckless or self-harming behavior. End quote. All right, so back to this myth that this article mentions about trauma is always a disorder. Based on reading this article and several others, they all mention that trauma can and often does lead to different disorders. Some of those they mention are personality disorders. Some of those are eating disorders. Many of those uh, or many of those involve anxiety and depression, but it's not always the case. Experiencing trauma does not always lead to PTSD or another disorder. Catherine Cullen, who wrote this article in Psychology Today, uh, mentions in the article that only a small percentage of those who experience trauma will develop PTSD symptoms. 
she states that around 6 to 8% of the population experiences PTSD symptoms during their lives. So I bring this myth up not to dismiss or to discount individuals that have experienced PTSD or who are struggling because of trauma. What I hope to point out is new insight into common thoughts about trauma. In another article posted on the Mental Health Center of San Diego's website entitled Five Myths About Trauma We Need to Unlearn, one of the myths that they mention is that trauma and PTSD are the same things. There's no author listed on the article, but I'd like to share a quote from this website. It says, Trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event. Almost everyone in the world has likely experienced previous trauma at some point in their life, whether it's childhood trauma or something you experienced in adulthood. Many people heal from trauma and move on, but PTSD is a diagnosable medical condition that occurs when the symptoms and effects of trauma don't dissipate and may even worsen. It goes on to say that when you develop PTSD, you don't just experience trauma and the related common responses or common reactions. You have emotional distress and psychological symptoms to the point that it affects your functionality in daily life. End quote. In the article written by Catherine Cullen on Psychology Today, she mentioned something I've never really come across before in its concept called post-traumatic growth. The author describes this as a transformative and positive psychological experience in the wake of adversity that protects people from trauma's negative effects. Half of all people exposed to trauma actually go through this post-traumatic growth the last myth, number five, that I'd like to cover comes from Psychology Today, written by the article written by Michaela Haas. And this myth is nothing good ever comes from a traumatic event. While I think everyone would agree that we would never want to go through the trauma again, the outcomes from this trauma or these events are something we would never want to lose. I personally would be a completely different person if I hadn't experienced, right? If I hadn't gone through the events that I went through, I certainly do not want to revisit those, but those serve to shape me into the person, the writer, the content creator that I am right now. And I have no idea whether this podcast would even be a thought in my mind if those events hadn't taken place. Without those experiences, I would have a horribly hard time relating to people with anxiety, depression, and other mental health challenges. This experience gave me a heart for a group of people that I don't believe I could have gained otherwise. These events gave me 
topics to write about that I couldn't write about without the experience. I believe I still would be a writer, but what would I have to write about? I hope this discussion on trauma has brought light to a often difficult topic to discuss. I hope that it has inspired you to look into it more. Uh, if you have trauma that has not been dealt with or you haven't looked at, at your life and identified trauma, I, I hope that it served to inspire you to take a look. That's going to be it for this episode. Again, thank you for listening. Hope that you will hit subscribe so that you'll get notified of future episodes. If you would like to be kept up to date on things with this podcast or uh, things that I'm writing for my book, you can go to my website at craigbooker.com. Again, that's craigbooker.com. Mm-hmm.